And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is February 22nd, 53rd day of the year. 312 days remain to the year is over with. And it's an interesting day. There's a whole bunch of... Um, holidays and uh, for example there's Ash Wednesday observed uh, 46 days before Easter National Margarita Day National Walking the Dog Day 222 Day Be Humble Day something we should get to our leaders Cook a Sweet Potato Day Day of Fraternity and Cohesion Celebrating the spirit of democracy, so to speak. European Day for Victims of Crime. Inconvenience Yourself Day. Independence Day in St. Lucia. National California Day. National Heart Valve Disease Awareness Day. Pink Shirt Day in Canada. Play More Cards Day. Recreational Sports and Fitness Day. Scouts Founders Day. It's one of the oldest and noblest traditions renowned across the globe. Uh, Single Tasking Day. St. Lucia Independence Day. Uh, Supermarket Employee Day. Tex Avery Day. Uh, is referred to in many quarters as a wacky creator. Woolworth's Day. That's the pioneer story that brought affordability to regular people. And World Thinking Day. Something you don't see a whole lot of in Congress. Now, let us see what else we've got on this particular day in history. The uh, 1076, having gotten a letter during the Lenten Synod of the 14th through the 20th of February, demanding he abdicate, Pope Gregory VII excommunicates Henry IV, Holy Roman Emperor. Nobody's safe from the, the word of the man appointed by God. 1316, the Battle of Picotin between Ferdinand of Mallorca and the forces of Matilda of Anal ends in victory for Ferdinand. 1371, Robert II becomes uh, King of Scotland and starts the Stuart Dynasty. 1495, King Charles VIII of France enters Naples to claim the city's throne. 1632, Fernando II de Medici, Grand Duke of Tuscany. The dedicatee receives the first printed copy of Galileo's dialogue concerning the two chief world systems. 1651, St. Peter's Flood. Storm surge floods the Frisian coast, drowning over 15,000 people. Then, 1797, the last invasion of Britain begins near Fishguard in Wales. It was the French, don't you know? I think it was 15,000 or 14,000 French troops beaten by 500 uh, British militia. 
That didn't look good. 1819, by the Adams uh, on this treaty, Spain sells Florida to the U.S. for $5 million. What if they took a check? 1847, Mexican-American War, Battle of Buena Vista. 5,000 American troops defeat 15,000 Mexican troops. 1848, the French Revolution of 1848, which would lead to the establishment of the French Second Republic, begins on this date. 1856, the U.S. Republican Party uh, opens its first national convention in Pittsburgh. 1862, American Civil War. Jefferson Davis is officially inaugurated for a six-year term as President of the Confederate States. Previously inaugurated as provisional president in February on February 18, 1861. 1872, the Prohibition Party holds its first national convention in Columbus, Ohio, nominating James Black as presidential nominee. 1881, Cleopatra's Needle. 3,500-year-old ancient Egyptian obelisk is erected in Central Park in New York. 1889, President Grover Cleveland signs a bill admitting North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and Washington as U.S. states. 1899, Filipino forces led by General Antonio Luna launch counterattacks for the first time against the American forces during the Philippine-American War. Um, they failed to recover Manila from American forces. 1904, the UK sells a meteorological station on the South Orkney Islands to Argentina. Islands are subsequently claimed by the UK in uh, 1908. 1909, 16 battleships of the Great White Fleet, which were painted white, led by the USS Connecticut, come back to the US after a voyage around the world. 1920, 21 after Russian forces of the Baron Roman von Ungem Sternberg drive the Chinese out, the Bogd Khan is reinstalled as the Emperor of Mongolia. 1942, World War II, President Roosevelt orders General MacArthur out of the Philippines as the Japanese victory becomes inevitable, which set the grounds for those famous words, I shall return. 1943, World War II, members of the White Rose Resistance, Sophie Scholl, Hans Scholl, and Christoph Probst are executed in Nazi Germany. The uh, White Rose Resistance was uh, a nonviolent intellectual resistance group in Nazi Germany, led by five students and one professor at the University of Munich. Group conducted an anonymous uh, leaflet and graffiti campaign. It called for active opposition to the Nazi regime. Activity started uh, in March, excuse me, in Munich on uh, June 27th, 1942. Ended with the arrest of the core group by the Gestapo, February 18th, 1943. Uh, they, as well as the other members and supporters of the group, were carried on distributing the pamphlets faced. Uh, show trials by the Nazi People's Court, and mo most of them were sent to uh, sentence to death or long terms of imprisonment. 
the um, 1944 World War II, American aircraft mistakenly bombed the Dutch town of Memegen, Arnheim, and she didn't prevent her. Uh, 800 are dead in Memegen alone. 1944, World War II, Soviet Red Army uh, recaptures uh, Quivoy and Rogue. Uh, 1946, a long telegram, as it's known, proposing how the U.S. should deal with the Soviet Union arrives from the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. 1957, the Go Ding Diem of South Vietnam survives a communist shooting assassination attempt in Buon Ma Tuong. 1958, following a public site in both countries the day before, Egypt and Syria joined to form the United Arab Republic. 1959, Lee Petty wins the first Daytona 500. 1972, the official Irish Republican Army detonates a car bomb in Aldershot Barracks, kills seven and injures 19. Um, 1974, the organization of the Islamic Conference uh, Summit begins in Lahore, Pakistan. 37 countries attend and 22 heads of state and governments participate. It also recognized officially Bangladesh. Uh, also in 74, Samra Bike attempts to hijack an aircraft at Baltimore Washington International Airport with the intention of crashing it into the White House. He wanted to assassinate President Richard Nixon. But unfortunately for Samuel, he was killed by police. 1979, St. Lucia gets independence from the UK on this date. Then in 1980, we had the famous miracle on ice at Lake Placid, New York. The U.S. hockey team defeats the Soviet Union hockey team 4-3. Then in 2002, Angolan political rebel leader Jonas Savimbi killed by a military ambush. 2005, the 6.4. The Zoran earthquake shakes the Kerman province of Iran with a maximum Michaeli intensity of 8, which is considered severe. 612 are killed, 1,411 are injured. 2006, at about uh, 6.44 a.m. local time, Iraqi time, explosions occurred at the Al-Askari shrine in Samarra, Iraq. The attack on the shrine, one of the holiest sites in Shia Islam caused the escalation of sectarian tensions in Iraq. In fact, it erupted into a full-scale civil war. Well, 2006, at least six men staged Britain's biggest robbery ever. They stole $92.5 million. Um, or about 78 uh, million uh, euros from a Securitas Depot in Tonbridge and Kent. Uh, 2014, President Viktor Yanukovych of Ukraine is impeached by the Prokovna Rada of Ukraine by a vote of 328 to nothing, fulfilling a major goal of a Euro-maiden rebellion. 
2015, a ferry carrying 100 passengers that capsizes in the Padma River. 70 of that 100 die. And then in 2018, a man throws a hand grenade at the U.S. Embassy in Pagorica, Montenegro. He dies at the scene from a second explosion. Nobody else got hurt. Not much damage to speak of. You know, we've been talking about um, mimics of man and, you know, some of the very strange things that have happened. But we're going to talk more about that today. It's been... Uh, A major tenet of a lot of the books I've written. Everything is not exactly as we've told it is. And we've talked about the fact that uh, the MIBs, or, or men in black, have played a, uh, a major role in uh, creating a, uh, an atmosphere of paranoia in the UFO community as a minimum. You know, adding to all the, the nonsense and confusion is the fact that ufology has always attracted eccentric personalities. And a few of these situations have uh, proven to be their undoing. You've also got massive egos, such as the dilettantes who have taken over Roswell. Um... One quasi-scientific UFO group has an office in D.C., and some of their members are like to wave their membership cards around and pretend it gives them authority. And they try to give the impression they're actually a government agency. Now, of course, the whole mess really began in Tacoma in 1947. And since then, the MIB manifestations have created a body of myth and lore, uh, fingering the federal government as the sinister silencer of UFO witnesses and the power of behind the censoring of UFO news and the press. Hardcore UFO buffs uh, continue to push these myths, though, and they ignore the evidence found in the other frames of reference that point to the existence of parahuman mimics of man who've always engaged in mischievous and sometimes uh, malicious shenanigans. You, know, you hear my uh, peanut gallery in the background. i got to take a moment and see what the problem is. You know, frankly, there's no theory too bizarre to be followed up on by gung-ho amateur investigators. In addition to the fact that the Air Force is supposed to be um, propagating all the uh, conspiracy theories in the UFO field, there's another group of researchers who believe that somehow... UFOs and the CIA are involved in the Kennedy assassination. And a lot of the... Uh, I'm talking about the one in 1963. Now, granted, 
There were a lot of bizarre occurrences. You had a lot of dark suit wearing, slightly built uh, individuals who uh, held themselves out as CIA agents. Now, a CIA agent who tells you CIA agent, there's not much of an agent in my humble opinion. Now, paranoia runs high because it is true. Over 50 witnesses, reporters, and assassination investigators have died suddenly. Some under the most suspicious circumstances. <coughs> now, the full story of Kennedy's murder in Dallas in 1963 is filled with incredible details, many of them similar to things found in the most mysterious of the UFO incidents. Photos and physical evidence have vanished, been tampered with, just as in so many UFO cases. Even the autopsy report uh, is said to have been modified. And uh, when they opened the casket to take out the body for the autopsy, they discovered his brain wasn't attached to the spinal cord. Now, it doesn't take much intelligence to be in politics. But your brain does have to be connected to the spinal cord. It's almost a requirement. And a wide assortment of mystery men have been involved, including doppelgangers of the Army Oswald. Now, a second Oswald even turned up in a public rifle range before the assassination, made an ass of himself, so witnesses would be Sure to remember him, he fired a gun that spat out balls of fire at the target. Also visited an automobile showroom, went for a test ride in a new car. Well, the real Oswald never drove. Claim didn't know how. And his whereabouts at the time of the, these incidents are known, Oswald, and he was nowhere near the rifle range or the auto agency. Now, if you look at the Warren report. And there are numerous pieces of sworn testimony describing MIB type men in the vicinity of Dealey Plaza in the school book depository building immediately before and after the assassination. There were long haired men see, uh, seen who matched the descriptions of some of the Space Brothers, just as the gods and demons and angels of earlier times sported long hair. I'm not talking about hippie ish, I'm talking about long-haired individuals who made it a point to be seen. The uh, late uh, Mary Hire, a newspaper reporter at Point Pleasant, West Virginia, got visits from strange personages soon after she began to write about the local UFO sightings. Two of these strangers had long silver hair, and According to what she wrote, they were young men, and I couldn't understand why they had dyed their hair such a funny, funny color. She also claimed encounters with darkly tanned, soberly dressed gentlemen who rode up to her office in black Cadillacs. One of them asked her if she'd, what would she do if somebody wanted her to stop publishing UFO reports. And she responded, I'd tell them to go to hell. Jerome Clark 
who is uh, said to be one of America's leading ufologists, uh, has a theory about the present trend toward uh, long hair. He said, for a long time, contactees and their followers talked freely of the new age and the rest of us just watched. Now there's considerable talk, even a popular song, about the coming of the age of Aquarius. And one of the features of the new age is contactees predicted years ago was a revival of interest in the occult. Astrology, the tarot, palmistry, telepathy, spiritualism, magic, witchcraft, the Ouija board. The list just goes on and on. And also involved, of course, in such obvious features as changes of the clothing and hairstyle. Um... And on basic strategic grounds, it's easier now for them to walk in our midst unnoticed. I mean, a long-haired blonde male, for example, would attract very little attention if he walked down the streets of any good-sized uh, western city. It would strange behavior patterns by any particular be any particular uh, cause for alarm. Uh, with all the weirdness going on right now. You know, there are millions of people among us unnoticed. Their long hair and peculiar dress and manners no longer attracting attention. Strange men in black turtleneck sweaters and wraparound sunglasses, which is uh, similar to the dress of the MIBs, are being reported everywhere. And there have been numerous reports of uh, black Cadillacs roaming the streets. I'm not talking about a new black Cadillac. I'm talking about a 1940s era black Cadillac. So have we been invaded by beings from outer space or from some other space-time continuum? Yes, so many now believe, or is it we're just beginning to notice the funny folk who have been in our midst all along? In any case, it's understandable that so many researchers and investigators double-bolt their doors at night and spend their days peering over their shoulders. Well, there's a lot of interesting stories I've come across while, because I've been uh, writing books for over 30 years, almost 40. My first book, The Occult Connection, UFOs, Secret Societies, and Ancient Gods, uh, I once saw on the internet for $2,300. It was considered a cult classic, and it said I was dead and wouldn't be writing any more books. Well, nobody told me. If anybody wants to pay me $2,300 for one of my books, I'll be more than happy to autograph it for you. And you'll see a lot of my ebooks now coming up on Amazon. Now, sometime around the year 421, a group of... Uh, Artisans from a now lost civilization painstakingly engraved a series of gold leaves or plates with cryptic symbols and buried them in a stone box on the west side of a hill near what's now the village of Manchester, New York. And they remain there, those uh, golden plates, unknown and untouched for 1,400 years. You know, in, uh, on a Friday, September 21st, 1821, a 18-year-old farm boy from Palmyra, New York, uh, named Joseph Smith, had a vision in his bedroom. A 
figure appeared in front of him, standing in the air. His feet didn't touch the floor. Being was dressed in a long robe of most exquisite whiteness, was surrounded by light, and his uh, countenance was truly like lightning. Identified himself as by the name of Maroni, a messenger sent from the presence of God. And he called Joseph Smith by name, announced he'd been chosen for a special task. Now, in subsequent appearances, Maroney gave Joseph Smith the exact location of the box and told him he was to dig it up when, but not until he was instructed to do so. So six years passed before Smith got the word to go dig up the box. Date was September 22, 1827. That night, the skies were aflame with a spectacular display of Meteors and falling stars and luminous spears. And one of the many witnesses was another young man who lived in northern New York, but uh, who was not an acquaintance of Joseph Smith, and his name was Brigham Young. Now, Smith dug into the hillside, found the box exactly where Maroney said it would be, pried off the lid and discovered the gold plates along with uh, crystalline, crystalline devices, which became known as the Urim and the Thurman spent the next three years translating the strange writing on the, the plates. Although he didn't have much formal education, supposedly he did it with the aid of the these uh, lens-like objects he had found in the box. Purportedly with the aid of the of um, the spirits of the air. Eleven of his friends and neighbors signed formal affidavits swearing they'd viewed the plates. But interestingly enough, once they'd been completely translated, the gold plates vanished. According to Smith, uh, the messenger called for them. Well, in March of 1830, the translation was published by a local printer. And it was known as the Book of Mormon, the history of ancient North America. Next month, the Mormon church was officially organized with six members in Fayette, New York. Today, it's got over two and a half million members. Now, of course, when you mess around with religion, you can make folks upset real quick. Joseph Smith was murdered by a hostile mob in Carthage, Illinois in June of 1844. Brigham Young became the new leader of the harassed band of Mormons who worked their way across the country until they got to a rather inhospitable wasteland around the Great Salt Lake in Utah. 1848, many of the Mormons were dismayed by Young's choice for the site of their future city. But the next year, the California gold rush began and the gold-mad hordes charged westward, all stopping at Salt Lake City for supplies. In a short time, the city was prospering and many of the Mormons became rich overnight. Now that's essentially the, the history of the Mormons. The controversy that raged around the authenticity of the Book of Mormon and its teachings is outside of what we're talking about here. But there's a major point to be gained from this. There's enough evidence to believe that a specter or a vision or an angel visited Joseph Smith, or else he ascertained the location of the place by some psychic ability. 
Well, maybe it was by pure accident. But wouldn't it be an interesting thing to find out that the story he told was true? It really was a Maroney? If the elementals, ultra-terrestrials, or some unknown force did select Joseph Smith, passed along the information about the plates, and engineered the formation of the Mormon religion, why would they do that? Now, all of our great religions were founded in almost the same way. Muhammad uh, was just an Arab tradesman until the age of 40 he began to have visions and conversations with invisible messengers, which he led uh, him to organize the Muslim religion and write the Koran. More recent religions, such as Seventh-day Adventists and Jehovah's Witnesses, were established by men who claimed communication with supernatural beings and often issued amazing, amazing prophecies that came true. Throughout history, common men have had uncommon experiences that have changed their, them instantly and in many cases even changed the whole fabric of the period in which they lived. A Jewish tent maker named Saul was once on the road to Damascus to help suppress the rise of Christianity when, according to tradition, a blinding light appeared in the sky and a voice converted him to the, on the spot. He became St. Paul. So two groups of forces have always been involved in this cosmic charade, I guess you can call it. Early man quickly learned to separate them into the good, or pro-human, and the evil or anti-human uh, groups, and gave each new god and demon a name. The good guys often are called the alpha group, and they gave and the bad guys are the Omega group. The Alpha group gave man a set of ethics and moral principles. The Omega group fostered racism and greed and violence. And as time passed, the two groups began imitating each other's tactics, and the task of discriminating between them became impossibly difficult. In his confusion, man soon began to associate everything that happened around him to one or other of the group. Natural catastrophes and accidents were automatically blamed on the Omega group. This led to the development of superstition and the awesome, irrational fear of all ultra-terrestrials. Things reached a peak in the Middle Ages. During that period, every new and radical invention was regarded as an invention of the devil. And men such as Galileo, who came up with new scientific discoveries that didn't follow the accepted view or jailed or burned at the stake as agents of the devil, don't you know? The Omega group delighted in spreading false interpretations of the universe and false religious teachings. For every Buddha and Muhammad, there were 10,000 Cyrus Teeds. Now I know somebody among you saying, who's Cyrus Teed? Well, he believed the universe was a spear and the earth was hollow and it, we lived on the inside. He was born in 1839, took up the study of alchemy in Utica, New York. A lot of weirdness came out of New York, still does for that matter. At the age of 30, he received his first visit from a beautiful female entity who materialized in his laboratory. You know, following the pattern of such Bizarre contact. She first informed him of his past incarnations. 
He had actually in earlier lives been mighty kings and great men, and naturally nobody ever approached by one of these entities has ever been identified as a, a common salt-of-the-earth type. Then she proceeded to give him a detailed history of the cosmos, complete with her own special terminology, which, of course, he adopted. He began to write pamphlets and books on this new cellular uh, cosmology. Became a powerful public speaker and gradually built a following for his profitable Koreshian occult. He went by the pseudonym Koresh. Settled finally in Fort Myers, Florida, where he established his new Jerusalem with about 200 uh, followers. He died in 1908 uh, as a result of an altercation with the local sheriff. Atid had promised that he'd rise again after he died. So he was buried in a concrete tomb on the island of uh, Estero, and a violent hurricane carried his tomb off in 1921. His body was never recovered. So this gave the Koreshian uh, cult uh, new impetus, of course. It actually survived into the 40s. Now, Teed-like ideas permeate the thousands of books written in every language by recipients and contactees. He proposed, for example, the existence of a super sun, which served as the ultimate source of the universe. Albert K. Bender claimed that the space people described the central sun to him. Many vari- variations of this uh, concept exist in, throughout literature. Long before Albert Einstein published his famous theory of relativity in 1905, Einsteinian ideas were being expounded by the ultra-terrestrials and published by enthused contactees. Big Bang Theory, currently in favor with leading astronomers, is that the universe began when all matter condensed into a single enormous body which then exploded. Fragments of that explosion, including our own solar system, are now hurtling outwards from the center at tremendous velocity. But eventually they'll follow the curvature of space as envisioned by Einstein and return to form a new central body. Then the whole cycle will start over again. Teed and his Compatriots have been talking about this same thing in their own peculiar way for centuries. Scientists and doctors who have examined people claiming visions and visits with old terrestrials have been puzzled by the fact that they were apparently normal. In many cases, the recipients have seen too unintelligent, unimaginative, uneducated, and too sincere to have simply invented the, the whole thing out of whole cloth. The contactee syndrome is not a form of insanity, but... Insanity, particularly paranoid schizophrenia, frequently develops after the contacts begin. Investigators, though, are still debating which came first in some cases, insanity or contact. You know, the first complete psychological study of a percipient took place in 1890 with Theodore a professor of psychology at the University of Geneva. He investigated the strange phenomena surrounding a girl known as Helen Smith. Beginning in March of 1892, Miss Smith started to receive messages through automatic writing. Now, for those that are not familiar with automatic writing, the individual receiving the messages merely holds the pen, and some other force moves the, the pen and, and the hand. 
and soon she was going into trances and speaking in a man's voice with an Italian accent. He identified himself as Leopold and proved to be something of a racial uh, and a rascal, prefacing his communications with phrases such as, I am here, and I wish to be master of this sitting, and all kinds of poltergeistic activity would begin. Later, Victor Hugo, the deceased author, uh, came through the medium and offered advice on how to handle the evil Leopold. Somebody could tell us how to hand, handle Congress. That would be much more useful. The clash between Leopold and Victor Hugo oscillated into a classic ultra-terrestrial game, just as the modern UFO contactees are caught up in the games waged between the spacemen and the evil men in black. And at uh, 3.15 in the morning on the Morning of September 5th, 1896, Helen woke up and had a strange vision. Going there, she said she saw a foreign landscape with a beautiful blue-pink lake whose shores were joined by a transparent bridge. And a crowd of peculiar people approached the bridge. And a man of dark complexion carrying an instrument somewhat resembling a carriage lantern in appearance, uh which, when pressed at a certain spot, emitted flames, what seemed to be a flying machine, stood in the center of the bridge. Using this instrument, he flew off the bridge, touched the water, and flew back onto the bridge again. But into that uh, September, that dark-complexioned man had become a part of Helen's life. He appeared and disappeared suddenly when she was alone and fully conscious. Often he spoke to her in a strange, unknown language. He said his name was Astain, and he was from Mars. Looked more like an Oriental or East Indian, according to her description. And on a number of occasions, he guided her to his home on Mars, at least in her visions and her hallucinations. Usually he was dressed in beautifully embroidered robes. Um, and in her relating of her visions and contacts. Miss Smith began to describe at length the vehicles on Mars, stating they had neither wheels nor horses, and people seemed to fly about in them. She quickly learned to speak the strange Martian language. Her automatic writing also developed a new twist. She began to write in unknown symbols, and gradually, over many months, Professor Flournoy was able to decipher them and translate Martian into French. These symbols had the oriental characteristic, which have been so often described by modern flying saucer contactees who uh, claimed to have seen them on board UFOs when they've been given tours. Later periods, Helen would often lapse into this language in the course of normal conversation without realizing she was doing that. Flona noticed it wasn't the kind of gibberish children make up when they're playing at being Chinese or Indian. It was an actual language that could be broken down and studied. Other Martians turned up answering to the names of Ramey and SNL. Soon Helen's world was people with uh, beings with long hair and long fingers, both common characteristics of the UFO entities described by contactees, and they often led her to spiritual trips to other planets. Well, on November 2nd, 1898, Helen reported rising at 6.15 that morning, feeling an invisible arm clasp her about her waist. She said, I then saw myself surrounded by a rose-colored light which 
generally shows itself when a Martian vision is coming. She suddenly found herself in a section of country peopled by men altogether different from those that inhabit our globe. The tallest of these were three feet high, and the majority were about an inch or two shorter. Their hands were immense, about ten inches long by eight inches across, and they ornamented with long black nails. Their feet were also huge. These little men of 1898 resided in simple houses, all low, long, without windows or doors, and each house had a little tunnel about ten feet long running from it into the earth. Roofs were flat, supplied with uh, chimneys or tubes. All these things described in Flournoy's 447-page uh, book. Everybody writes a book. Uh, entitled From India to the Planet Mars was published in 1900. It's been repeated endlessly in the occult and UFO literature by, in other cases. Little men have since earned a special place in flying saucer lore. Flournoy speculated Leopold Nestein uh, could have been the same entity in different guises. Maybe he was aware of Swedenborg's warning centuries before that the ultra-terrestrials could assume any identity. And, well, interestingly, if the recipients accepted their identity, they would eventually believe themselves uh, that they were Moses, Napoleon, or Astari, or Astain. Joseph Smith and his friends were treated with visits, not only from Moroni, but from entities claiming to be John the Baptist and the apostles Peter, James, and John. Other ultra-terrestrials are ham actors who delight in assuming roles and adopting names from ancient mythology. Early theologians were kept busy recording the endless names of angels and demons. Numbers were also flourished indiscriminately in both religions and contacted liter uh, literature. The Bible contains long chapters giving elaborate but seemingly meaningless measurements. In Alaspia, a book uh, produced by Automatic Writing in 1880, we learned that uh, Egypt had a population of 13 million at the time of uh, Moses. Four million of these were enslaved. They were Hebrews. Today's Egyptian population is about 40 or 50 million. Not much of an increase in 2,000 years, I would have to say. Page after page in Alaspia, List the total number of spirits and angels and drunks. That's uh, the Ospian word of, for the Omega group. This numbers game has been extended to the modern UFO phenomena. On August 7, 1965, three prominent men in Venezuela were present at a UFO landing and had a conversation with two tall uh, beings with long yellow hair, large penetrating eyes, and one-piece metallic coverall-type garments. They were also described as being seven to eight feet tall. The witnesses, who included a well-known uh, Venezuelan doctor, claimed they communicated through telepathy, and among the questions I asked was, are there any beings like you living among us? And the response was, yes, 2,417,805. Well, you have to admit, that's a precise number. But many other contactees have thought to ask the same question. The answers are widely uh, variable. From 75 to 10,000 in the city of Los Angeles alone. To up in the millions, it's hard to know. 
which answer is true, if any of them are. Our long-haired friends also indulge in nonsensical prophecy on a grand scale. Ask when the world was going to end. They're out to give a precise date in the near future, which, of course, freaks out everybody involved. Some people are actually started building arcs on, uh, because of the say-so of the uh, ultra-terrestrials. One group in Denmark erected a hasty atom bomb shelter in 1967, settled down to wait for Armageddon, which is supposed to happen in December 1967. Who's going to be elected president next election? These elementals announced with grave authority Frank Sinatra, Mae West, Sammy Davis Jr. Somebody's in line for the, the job of president. And frankly, in my humble opinion, even Sammy Davis, Jr., who's dead, would be a better choice than some of the ones we have. study of Rosalia has also had a small group of followers for years. This is the attempted translation of the mysterious languages spoken by the terrestrials, mediums, and church groups who indulge in speaking in tongues. Seems to be a conglomerate of many languages, both ancient and modern, and Illinois wasn't the first one to try to unravel it. There are books filled with symbols and translations similar to, but never exactly like, Helene, Mars, uh, Helene Smith's uh, Martian language. Dozens of these phony alphabets have been published in all seriousness. A retired school teacher named John W. Dean collected a testimony of flying saucer contactees and Elaborate information passed along by the space people for his book, Flying Saucers Close Up. The project must have taken years, and he devoted many pages to listing unknown planets far out in the cosmos, described by the uh, space visitors, and given encyclopedic data about each one. He listed hundreds of unknown planets in this particular fashion. The group in this particular... Um, a number of the tables that he produced happened to be from the star system of Alpha Tauri, 53.6 light years away. But anybody with a basic knowledge of orbital mechanics and a slide rule can check the mass of figures and discover that many of these alleged planetary systems are just quite impossible. The cosmos of the ultra-terrestrials must be filled with colliding planets weaving and spinning in defiance of all the known laws of motion. Mr. Dean also presented a complete vocabulary in the written language of the folks from the planet uh, Corundor. And some of the symbols bear a striking resemblance to runic ciphers. Now, his book was only a minor example of the privately published material circulated to about 2,000 hardcore flying saucer believers. Over the last 30, 40 years, the ultra-terrestrials have constructed a whole fantasy world through the contactees, a cosmos that includes great intergalactic councils. Once we grow up, so to speak, we might be permitted to join. That's if we're vis uh, through fighting with each other. On other levels, the different frames of reference uh, believers speak in terms of other planes of existence. Most common belief shared by every culture on this planet is that there's a there are seven dist distinct worlds or realities. We live on the lowest rung of the ladder. So if there's a hell, we must be living in it. Numerous religious sects are concerned with holy ghost apparitions and 
speaking in tongue phenomena, which they accept as verification of their beliefs. United Pentecostal Church, for example, finds great meaning in these manifestations, and they occur constantly within, within the church. Church bulletins and publications are filled with accounts of these events. The newsletter, uh, Global Witness, June and July of 1970, described... Uh, an event as reported by a group in Peru. According to what was written on April 28th, as they were praying, the 10-year-old daughter suddenly went into what they thought was a fit of convulsions, began to jerk and shake all over. Terrified mother rushed to her side to attempt to help her daughter, but an unseen hand restrained her in a voice that urged her to leave the girl alone. Just a few minutes, the little girl, who didn't know what the Holy Ghost was, began to speak in a strange but lovely new language. Following Tuesday night, the oldest boy was marvelously filled with the Holy Ghost. He rejoiced in the Spirit and spoke with tongues for over an hour. Well, conversive seizures are common to all the frames of reference. Many UFO contactees suffer chronic headaches, muscular soreness, and other symptoms of such seizures uh, after their experiences are over. And these fits could be caused by some disorder at the frontal lobe of the brain or by some Electromagnetic waves directed at the frontal lobe. Primitive people used to resolve such, regarded such fits as uh, demonic possession. One of the world's foremost psychologists, uh, Dr. Carl Jung, examined the social or religious aspects of the UFO rumors and published an analysis called Flying Saucers, a modern myth of things seen in the sky. He published it in 1959. He correlated the UFO reports with psychic manifestations suggested the phenomena were products of the collective consciousness of mankind. Psychic aspect plays so great a role that it can't be left out of the account, he said. And the discussion of it leads to psychological problems that involve just as uh, fantastic possibilities or impossibilities as the approach from the physical side. You know, keep in mind that when you're dealing with something is that is not concrete, that it can be twisted to fit almost any philosophy. And when it's, it's been my experience when a psychologist or psychiatrist starts holding forth and you need to have him looked at. Because all he's giving you is his opinion. And if a UFO contactee says they came from the planet Morg, for example, and a psychiatrist starts examining that, the contactee's at least got something he can point to and say, I got it here. The uh, psychiatrist says, in my analysis, to which I say, boy, don't you wazoo. Well, we've come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll talk more about these mimics of man and all the strange things that they've had to say. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show, saying have a truly great evening.